All right, we're in week four of it as well. We've talked about the body. We've talked about the mind. We've talked about the spirit. Now we're going to talk about rewarding relationships. Again, my name is Dion Garrett. It's a privilege to be here with you. I want to welcome you. Also, those of you who are joining us online, glad to have you. Now, um, I am in my late 30s, which means I grew up during the great era of 1980s TV. Uh, and if, if some of you grew up in that time, we had one TV in our house, and I remember um, TV shows were an event. This was before DVRs, even before most of us had VCRs. And so a live TV was an event, and we'd gather as a family on certain nights of the week at certain times, all gather around the one TV in our house, and we'd watch TV together. I'm talking about classics like The Cosby Show. Now, I know Bill Cosby has is, is, uh, is got some controversy surrounding him right now, but that does not take away from how amazing The Cosby Show was, right? I seriously think that. Anyone? Jeff's talking or something over there. I think his microphone's still on. Someone tell Jeff his mic's on. Anyway, uh, The Cosby Show is an awesome show, uh, just an incredible show. Um, you know, I remember watching The Cosby Show and thinking, who wouldn't want to live in a row house in Brooklyn, you know, with successful parents who've got big jobs but are strangely home all the time? <laughs> you know, with all kinds of friends, interesting people who come in and out of your life and just a great community. I thought, man, th- that, that would be amazing. Uh, I remember other 80s TV shows that I loved, and this might even be late 70s, I'm not sure, but I remember the show Chips. Anybody? Fess up. You know, Ponch and John, the motorcycle cops in L.A. Uh, I remember watching that show and thinking, man, that would be the life. Riding around a motorcycle all around L.A., uh, you know, chasing after bad guys who look like movie stars. Uh, doing it with your best friend. That was the best part of it to me. Be like, man, these guys are best friends, and wouldn't that be awesome to be able to do that with your best friend? Or I think about the TV show Cheers that my parents loved that show. Uh, I grew to love it too. Not only a great cast, um, not only great writing, but I think part of the thing that just captivated people about this show was the mere premise. You know, finding a place in life where everybody knows your name. Isn't that something we all want? As TV continued to evolve into the 90s, there were shows like Friends. Um, you know, my daughter has picked this up on Netflix, my oldest daughter, and uh, I just never thought that she would love a 90s TV show that I grew up watching in high school and college. But, but uh, Friends is just one of those, those legendary shows. Who doesn't want to live in New York with all of your best friends in a, a, an apartment building where all the apartments are giant? I want to know where these are in New York. Um, strangely, they must have been secretly all millionaires to live in that. Um, or if you weren't into Friends, Seinfeld. You know, they called it the show about nothing, but... It was a show about something. It was a show about relationships, you know, community of people. And, and uh, man, what a great show. And, and for some of you, you're sitting here and you don't know a single one of these shows. You're too young. Uh, maybe all those shows are too old for you. So think about How I Met Your Mother. Or if you're younger, you can think about Disney Channel shows. Here's what all of these shows have in common. Not just good writing, not just good talent. Here's what they all have in common. They all depict something that we as people deeply want, that we long for. They all depict... People doing life together in community. They depict deep, rewarding relationships. And I know growing up, watching the Cosby Show and those other shows, I remember watching that and saying, that's what I want for my life. I want relationships. I want a community of people like that. Chances are, so do you. After all, in Genesis chapter 2, way back in the beginning, when God had created Adam and the whole world was perfect, he looked into the situation and this is what he said. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, most of us who know these verses, we read this and we think this is about marriage. You know, this is about God creating a, a, a partner, a, a married partner for Adam, Eve. And, and although that's what happens here, that's not what these are primarily about. These words from God are declaring something much deeper, much more basic. 
God was saying that even though everything was perfect, even though he was in a life-giving relationship with Adam, back in those days they walked together in the garden every day, God and Adam, in the cool of the day it says. God says, no, 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 I, I want something more for you than just a relationship with me. I want to give you a community. I want to give you friends. I want to give you a, a Monica and a Chandler and a Joey and a Phoebe, right? I want to give you a George and an Elaine and a Kramer. Okay, maybe not a Kramer. Um, that's just too much for someone else to handle. But, but God says, I want, I want to give you these deep, meaningful relationships. I want to give you a community. But the reality is few of us have relationships like that. So instead, do you know what we do? We settle for watching them on TV. Friends, that, that has to change. See, I, I think the lack of relationships in our life is bringing all kinds of dysfunction into us and every other part of our life. And I think sitting here today, there are two ills that fall over us as a room. You probably fall into one of these categories. Either you lack enough relationships. I know it's kind of awkward to say it that way. But, but you have relationships. You just don't have enough relationships. Your support structures are too small. Your circles are, are, too, are too narrow. You simply don't have enough people in your life. You don't let enough people in. We'll talk about that in a minute. Or for some of you, it's not a, a numbers problem. It's a depth problem. Some of you, you, you've got lots of people in your life. You just lack depth in your relationships. See, I think most of us in this room fall into one of those categories. And I want to go a little deeper. First, let's talk about numbers. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this. I just discovered this recently. Something called the Dunbar number. Uh, it's created by a British anthropologist, Robin Dunbar. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, if you like his books, he's written about this. Um, he, he has the Dunbar number. And the Dunbar number is the number 150. And what that number represents is it represents how many relationships a human being can handle at max, right around 150. And Dunbar did a bunch of research and studied people throughout time and studied the brain and said, 150 is, is the number of relationships you can manage. Now, he called these casual relationships. So think of the number of people that you might send a Christmas card to around Christmas. For me, it was zero this year, but, but you know, um, 150 people, okay, that's, that's that circle. Then he says they kind of go up and down by a factor or a multiple of three. So 50 he said 50 are your close friends, you know, somewhere between 35 and 50. So if you have a milestone birthday party, you're turning 30, 40, 50, 60, uh, think of the 50 people that you'd want to make sure were invited. And then from there, 15, he talked about your circle of 15. These are people in whom you can confide. These are people who will, uh, you know, come around you if you're struggling with something in life. And then from there, five, the smallest circle is five. And these are your closest friends. These are your besties. These are your bays, right? These are your closest family members and friends. Five. At max, you can handle five, 15, 50, 150. And then he goes up from there. He says, you can probably handle about 500 acquaintances and about 1,500 people max that you can associate a name with a face. And uh, this research has been used a lot of different ways. In fact, I, the Gore-Tex company, they build buildings that only fit 150 people because they believe that maximizes their working potential. And then when they get bigger, they build another building. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But as you think about these numbers today, I bet some of you are sitting there and you think, wow, 150 people. You know, I can't think of, of 20 people I'd want to send a Christmas card to, let alone 150. Or you think, wow, 15 people that I could confide in. I wish I had just one person I could confide in. See, maybe for you today, you realize right now that that your relationship problem is a numbers problem. You don't have enough people in your circles. 
Now, just a caution here. These are max numbers. And unlike your credit cards, you don't have to max these out, okay? Uh, you don't have to max these numbers out. Um, but, but if you know that your numbers are way smaller, if, if your close friends are, are smaller, if, you know, if all of these numbers are smaller for you, then it might be a sign that you aren't prioritizing relationships enough in your life, that you aren't investing in them enough, that you are living underneath your relationship potential. Now, for some of you, on the other side, you've got no problem with the numbers. You're like, man, I got, I got 3,000 Facebook friends. I got all kinds of people in my life. For you, I'd ask another question, and Dunbar doesn't address this, uh, but this will. If you took all those numbers and, and you added a new axis, you kind of looked at them three-dimensionally, and, and this is now the depth axis. The lower you go, the deeper or the more, more quality the relationship is. I'd ask you, for those of you who've got tons of people in your life, what does the depth of those relationships look like? As your relationship circles get smaller, do they get deeper? Does your, does your cone look like this, or does it look like this? Or maybe I should have added another image over there that looks basically like a pancake, because for some of us, that might be the reality of our life. The people that we would call closest to us, they aren't really that much different. Those relationships aren't really that much different than, than the people who are just our acquaintances. See, the reality is that in life, you need both of these factors. You need a large, robust network of people around you, but you also need depth. But this is something that's very, very hard to come by in relationships, namely because relationships are so, 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 so difficult to grow, to maintain, and to deepen. As I was thinking about all the things that make relationships difficult in my life, here's some things I came up with. The first is this, that meeting people is fun, but deepening a relationship isn't. Do you know the rush that you get when, when you make a new friend, when you meet someone and you go, man, that's, a, that's an interesting person. That's a person I think I really like. I'd like to get to know them. Do you, do you know that rush? That feeling that comes over you when you're about to make a new friend? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Here's what I can tell you, though. I've never once gotten even close to the same rush when I'm in one of those two-hour discussions with my wife. You know, married people, those, those discussions that last hours. You know what I'm talking about, Right? They're necessary in a relationship, but man, I've never once gotten that rush. I've never called that fun, even if it's necessary. Or when you're approaching some issue of conflict in, in a friendship, right? And you know it's something you have to do in order to keep the relationship healthy, to deepen it. It's important. It leads to a more rewarding relationship. And yet the reality is it's never fun. See, meeting people is fun. Deepening a relationship isn't. And it's almost like, like our brains reward us for keeping at surface level with each other. It keeps us from going deeper. Or take a look at this next one. Relationships have natural breakpoints. Man, I hope you've discovered this. I discovered this probably back in high school. Because here's what I found out. That um, I, I would fall in love with a girl. You know, I'd just be like, wow, she's the best girl ever. I can't, I just can't imagine my life without her. And uh, if I was lucky, she, I would get her to like me back. I would trick her into doing that. And, um, and here's what I discovered. That no matter how crazy I was about her at the beginning, three months was the shelf life of that relationship. After three months, I was done. It's just like, no thank you. I, you know, I'm done. I don't, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with you. Okay, I realized there was a break point for me in those relationships. Recently, I've come across the number two years. That two years is the maximum number of time that infatuation can last in a romantic relationship. You know that period of, of time where, where everything the person says is brilliant and everything they do is beautiful and you can't stop thinking about them. The maximum that can last is two years. And then there's a break point, and then you have to figure out what to do then. 
Uh, being a pastor, I've discovered that there is something called the danger zone in, in marriages. 12 to 16 years, it's the danger zone. I've seen more marriages break up in 12 to 16 years than, than probably any other period of time. See, there's a natural break point there. See, relationships have these break points. Friendships do too. Some of you um, have, have seen this in your life. You've, you've been in a pattern of what I call catch and release. If you look back over the course of your friendships, you'll, you'll discover that you, you find a friend, you get a hold of them, you enjoy it for a little while, then you let it go and you find someone else. There's a pattern of natural breakpoints. And here's what you'll discover, that in those breakpoints, in those moments of transition in the relationship, you've got two, one of two choices to make. You can either figure it out, renegotiate the relationship, dig deeper, or you can walk away. And I think a lot of us have made a life, when we come to those breakpoints, of walking away and chasing after a new relationship because that's fun and deepening a relationship isn't. Third, uh, one of the things I've discovered is that the, when it comes to relationships, the work is obvious, but the rewards are hidden. I mean, relationships seem like a lot of work, don't they? And that's because they are. And the rewards aren't always obvious. And when you just look at a relationship, I, I don't think there's anything in my life that I work harder at than my relationships. And sometimes it's like, it's not even worth it. The problem is, th they're also rich in rewarding, but we don't always see it. We take for granted the rewards. We often don't recognize them until they're gone. Until a friendship has ended, until someone has moved away, until someone we love has died. Then we see how much value there was added to our life. But, but so often when we're just kind of doing life, it just seems like work. And the rewards seem so small. They seem uh, totally hidden. And then fourth and finally, the thing I've noticed in, in my own life is that, is that we just don't know how to go deeper. I mean, for a lot of us, we grew up in households where we didn't see deep relationships modeled. We didn't, we didn't watch a parent who really knew how to do relationships well, and we, we couldn't take notes from them. Or I know that a lot of us, and this is even truer as we get more mobile as a, as a society, as we move around more, man, there are some of you who you moved every few years growing up. You never had a friend more than a couple years because you picked up and you moved somewhere else. And you've never had to see a relationship through for any length of time. Maybe for some of you, you once knew how to go deeper, but, uh, you know, life's been busy and you've been caught up in a season of work or raising kids, and now you're in this place where you're like, I think I knew how to go deeper once, but I'm not sure I know how to do that anymore. You've, you've forgotten. See, I don't know what on that list resonates with you, or maybe you would add your own things to the list. But whatever your reason, here's the thing. Relationships are so important. You need them in your life. You were created for them. And without healthy relationships, the rest of you cannot be healthy. In fact, I think the reason that a lot of us are struggling in other areas of life is because we're either lonely or there's too much conflict in our relationships. And the disease of, of, of inadequate or broken relationships permeates through our whole being. But here's what I can say. Today, I believe I can help you. In both respects, I can help you add to your relational circles and also take them deeper. And to do that, I'm going to look at the book of Colossians, chapter 3, the words of Paul writing to a, a bunch of Christians there. Now, I know some of you are thinking, okay, finally, he's getting to Scripture. I didn't think this was ever going to happen today. It is, and, and here's why I've waited this long. Because I think these words, I think they're so powerful, these words from Paul. But I think they're too simple for most of us. And I think most of us, up until now, might just dismiss them. But here's what I hope. I hope that if you're thinking about your relationships for, for a little while, for thinking about the things that make them difficult, I hope that you're ready to hear Paul's very simple words 
as not just simple, but I hope you're ready to hear them as profound and life-changing, because they are. So I want you to look with me right now at Colossians chapter 3, as Paul gives us some advice on relationships. So Paul starts this way, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And by the way, Paul's been talking to them about what it means that they belong to Jesus and all that Jesus has done for them. He's been talking about that throughout the reading. And, uh, and now, at this part, he's, he's like, okay, here's what this means for you as a church. This is what it means for you as you live out your life together. So he's about to give us some relationship advice. And here's what he says. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Have you ever noticed in life that it's way easier to pick out what's wrong with someone else's appearance than your own? You're like, why, did, why does she wear those glasses? Those, those are terrible. They look awful on her. That's, that's so obvious. Or, or it's easier to see that someone else has food in their teeth. Or, you know, right, for obvious reasons, you're staring at them. They can't see themselves. But it's so much easier to see what's wrong with someone else's appearance. But, but have you noticed this, too, that it's also so much easier to see what's wrong with someone else's character than your own? It's so much easier to see what's wrong with someone else's marriage or relationships than it is yours. Anyone else notice that? Yeah, me too. See, here's the thing. Uh, when you get into a relationship, after a amount of time, you start to notice things about people. You start to observe things. And, and you say, you know what? So-and-so, they're just not very empathetic. They're not very compassionate. I listen all day long, but the moment I need to share, they never listen to me. Or you say, gosh, she's just not very humble. She's bragging all the time about her house and her vacations. And, I'm, you know, just like, there's no humility there. Or, or he's just not patient. His temper is so quick and, and he just has no patience for me. See, it's easy in a relationship to start to look at the things that are wrong with the other person, the things that they're doing wrong in the relationship, and those things may be credible. This is why I think Paul's advice here is so powerful. He's saying, hey, hey, church, if you want to live out whole relationships with each other. And by the way, you know, when, when Paul's talking to churches, it's not just a group that, that people belong to. These are the people they do life with. These people were minorities. They were persecuted. They lived life together. So this is, this is their community. And he's saying, hey, if you want to live out deep relationships with each other, the thing you need to do is clothe yourselves. Do you hear that? Paul says, don't worry about what the other person has or doesn't have. If you want deep and meaningful relationships, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Start with you. And you know, if you see that the other person lacks some of these things, maybe you can put on double and you can make up for the other person. See, again, it's, it's really simple, but man, profound. Paul says, don't worry about what the other person lacks. You just make sure that you are clothed with these things and you will have deep and rewarding relationships. Then he goes on and he gives some more advice. He says, now bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. So he says, bear with each other. Bear with each other. That's romantic, isn't it? I mean, if you're, if you're in a long-term relationship, you can just turn to that person if they're here with you right now and say, it has been a privilege to bear with you all of these years. And just watch them melt, right? Or watch them steam, right? No, no one wants someone who just bears with them, who puts up with them. That's not what we want for our relationships either. But it's truthful. You have to learn to bear with people. 
And do you know why? Because people are annoying. And yes, that is an expert opinion. <laughs> people are annoying. And, and Paul's advice is, people are annoying, so deal with it, he says. Just deal with it. But we don't want to deal with it, do we? No. See, we all deserve that in relationships, whether we're talking romantically or in friendships, we all deserve that we, we all believe, rather, that we deserve the perfect person. That person who doesn't frustrate us or upset us or annoy us. That person who makes friendship easy. That person who's always a great listener, who's always attentive to our needs. We believe we deserve that person. In other words, we believe we deserve the equivalent of Ryan Gosling in The Notebook. Tell you, that, that movie did more to wreck marriages than any movie ever. Every wife was like, I just need Ryan Gosling. That's, that's what I need. That's what's missing in my life. No, it's not. That person doesn't exist. You know that? That's why he's an actor. You see, in relationships, you have to learn to bear with people. You have to put up with their annoyances. You have to learn to laugh at their dumb jokes. You have to learn to put up, to, to tolerate their pettiness and their insecurity and all of the problems that causes in a relationship. You have to learn to bear with people if you want to have deep and meaningful relationships. And I know it's not exciting. I know it's not romantic. I know it's not sexy to say, I, I've got to learn to bear with people in my life. But if you want relationships, you have to. You have to. Because people are annoying, right? Uh, and, then, and then this other word of advice, not only bear with people, but forgive one another. Now, I could preach a whole sermon on this, but what I want to look at is what he says next. This important line, he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And man, if you could just put this in your mind, just, just put this phrase in your mind, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Say it with me. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And if you could bring that to mind the next time you're in a relationship and you think, this relationship is so unequal. The scales are so uneven. You know, th this person has wronged me so many times, or they frustrated me, or, or they don't give like I give, and, and you think, I have forgiven them enough, I've given enough. If you could just remember this phrase, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That would be powerful for your perspective. Because how does the Lord forgive us? He's forgiven us completely, right? There's not a thing that Jesus hasn't died for. There's not a sin you carry. There's not, a, there's not a weakness. There's not a flaw in your personality that Jesus hasn't covered in his death. He forgives us undeservedly. He doesn't forgive us because we are so authentically and deeply sorry. No, he forgives us because he's a forgiver. He forgives us repeatedly, over and over again for the same thing. He keeps forgiving. And he forgives sacrificially. He forgives at great cost to himself. Man, the, the next time we're in a relationship and we think, I have forgiven this person more than anyone should ever deserve to be forgiven. You may be right. But if you could remember this phrase, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Man, that, that could be powerful for breaking through that barrier in the relationship. And then finally, look at how Paul sums this up in, uh, in the verse 14. He says, and over all these virtues... Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, I think in these days, we're not even good at, at telling our friends that we love them. Let alone living a life of love. A life where, where their needs matter more than our own. And yet Paul says, man, if, if you can just do these simple things, if you can, and, and they're hard to do, but, but they're simple, right? If, if you can clothe yourself, if you can worry about you and put on compassion, kindness, patience, humility, 
and all the rest. If you can bear with people, if you can learn that people are annoying, but that's okay. If you can learn to forgive people and forgive as the Lord forgave you. If you can put over all of those things love, then here's the thing. You can have a relationship with just about anybody. Are there toxic relationships? Yes, there are very few relationships in your life that are too toxic. They should not be had and you should walk away from them. But by and large, here's what Paul says, that anybody, no matter how annoying, no matter how frustrating, no matter how broken, you can have a relationship with them at some level. There's no great secret to it other than this. And here's why I think this is so important. I mean, this is why I'm so passionate about relationships. Because relationships are such a unique gift to us. They're like few other things in life. And here's what makes relationships interesting. See, see one thing that we know around here is that we say that, that relationships are part of God's instrument for life transformation. We say life transformation happens in the context of relationships. And that's true, right? Over the course of relationships in your life, through friendships, through, through a marriage, through, through family relationships, your character grows, um, it rubs off some of the edges, you know, it makes you, it makes you a, a more whole person. It forms you. And that's true about relationships. But here's what's fascinating about relationships. Not only are relationships an instrument for life transformation, but they're also the reward. See, not only are they a means to an end of making us better people with, with better character or being more patient or anything else, not only do they shape us or, or form us, but relationships are also the reward. And I don't know many things in life that work that way. You know, you can talk about physical health and you could say, eat your vegetables. Because if you eat your vegetables, then your body's going to be healthy. And, and that's true and that's great. And so we eat our vegetables because it's important to be healthy. But I don't think anyone would say that vegetables are the reward, right? You say, hey, they're, they're important for me. They're, they're a means to an end. But, but, man, I still want dessert after I eat my vegetables because dessert's the reward. But, man, relationships, it's like, it's like they're the means to the end, but they're also the end in and of themselves. And I think this is what makes them so unique. Few things in life are like this, that when you invest in relationships, not only does it refine you, not only do, do they grow you, but ultimately you're left with something that is so rich and so rewarding that, that, that it'll, it'll change your life. It'll change every aspect of your wellness. This week as I was talking with some of my friends, um, I just was reminded of this again. I was talking to a couple of guys who go to this church and uh, both of them are involved in Ironman groups. And Ironman groups are these, these group of, uh, groups of men who gather together every week. Um, some, most of them are early in the morning. Some of them are at night. Uh, they gather, gather together weekly. And uh, they, they study the Bible or other curriculum. Um, they grow together. They hold each other accountable. They challenge each other. They encourage each other. They support each other. And, uh, and both of these guys are in Ironman groups. And, um, and man, I just think... I'm a dad. I've got a busy, you know, work life. I've got a busy family life. Um, to get up and to show up at, you know, six in the morning every week for Bible study with a group of guys, that's a commitment. That's a lot of effort, isn't it? It sure is. And then I think, man, on top of that, so many of these groups, they, they are doing homework throughout the week, and they're reading books. And some of you, you've not read a book since college. And so you're like reading a book, you know, you're doing homework and Bible study, and you're bringing questions back. And, and man, that's, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of effort. Why would anyone do that? And one of the things we hear about in Iron Man over and over again is just, just how, it, how it grows us, how it shapes us, how it refines us. But this week I heard these two stories, and I just thought, man, this is the other side of it. This is why relationships matter so much. 
not only because they grow us, not only you know, do, do we sharpen each other in relationships, but, but man, the work of relationships are the reward in and of themselves. They're such a rich reward. Uh, the first story I want to tell you about is my friend Chris. My friend Chris, he encountered some health problems a few weeks ago, and uh, he ended up in the hospital. And uh, you, you can bet that he told his Ironman group, he's been in this Ironman group for years now, and he told his Ironman group about it, and, and they're praying for him. Um, Chris's health was going up and down in the hospital, and he had, have, he had to have a few emergency surgeries along the way. And after one of the surgeries, he woke up, and uh, his wife is sitting by his side, and he's in the uh, recovery room. And uh, he's trying to find out, you know, how things went. He's glad he's still alive from the surgery. And, and his wife says, hey, you know, a couple of the guys from your group are here. She names them by name. And, um, and you know, he's still under anesthesia, kind of groggy, but he's just blown away that, that the, this, these guys came. By the way, did I tell you this, that the surgery is a day and a half before Christmas. So it's the week of Christmas. Uh, he went into surgery quickly. These guys, however, you know, whatever they did, they got away from work, from family. They showed up. They're, they're sitting in the waiting room uh, at the hospital praying for him and just being present. And so his wife's like, hey, these, these guys are here. And the nurse in the room overhears this, and she says, well, hey, I'm sorry, only immediate family can come in to the uh, recovery room. And uh, Chris, still under anesthesia, doesn't miss a beat, and he says, oh, it's okay, they're my brothers. And his wife looks at him like, why are you lying to this nurse? Um, but see, Chris wasn't lying. Uh, although Chris doesn't have any blood brothers, it's true that over the course of these, these years together, living life together, you know, fighting through difficulties in relationships, fighting through difficult circumstances. These men have become to him closer than brothers. And so they were there that day praying for him, just, just not even sure if they were going to see him, but there in the hospital advocating for him that day. Gosh, isn't that rich? Isn't that what we all want for our relationships? People who will stand by us. I mean, can, can you think of anything in life more rewarding than to have people in your life like that? Or I think about my friend Ken. I've shared some of his story with you before. Uh, six years or so ago, um, his, uh, his family encountered a, a crazy medical emergency, which, which totally changed their, their family forever. And, uh, and Ken, said, Ken said that before that medical emergency, he was a guy who had succeeded in living life completely self-reliant, autonomous, not needing anyone. He said early on in life he had been rejected and he just kind of said, you know what, I'm done. I don't, I don't need people. I'm, I'm going to do this on my own. And, and he had built a life where he could manage it on his own and he had done that successfully. And, and, then, and then this medical crisis came into their family's life and it was too big for him to handle and it demanded community. And so community began to invade his life and, and people started showing up to care for him and, and uh, there were triplets involved and, and his wife was sick and, and there were all these people who showed up. And Ken said for the first time he was forced out of his isolation and self-reliance into relationships. And now six plus years later, Ken says, even though there are still repercussions of that, and even though this, 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 uh, this thing was so scary and tragic and, and so difficult, he says, I would still never erase what happened because what God did with it, God brought me out of isolation and he's brought me into a community. He said, I got friends now. We have relationships again. And I never knew that life could be this rewarding. And, and if I could go back and undo this horrible thing that happened to my family and all of the difficulty it's brought into our lives, I wouldn't because what I've gotten is so much richer than what I had before. You see, relationships are not only an instrument of life transformation, 
They are the reward in and of themselves. I'm discovering this after seven years of living in this community, moving away from all of our family, raising a family. We've been investing, investing, investing in relationships, and it's so much work, and it's so frustrating. But you know, in the last couple of years, after years of investing, God is beginning to give us this community that is, that is close, if not closer than family. And I can tell you, it is so rich. It's what I've dreamed about my whole life. And it's not easy, but it is so rewarding. Let me just close with this. On Friday of this week, I was sitting in this room, and uh, there were about as many people in this room on Friday morning as there are right now. I was doing a funeral for a 22-year-old college student who died suddenly and tragically. And uh, as I looked around that packed room, I started thinking about all the funerals I've done. And, and of course, there are funerals of all different kinds. And, and, and you know what I realized? The thing that will pack a church when you die It's not what you've accumulated in life. It's not what you've achieved. It's not about your accolades. It's ultimately about your relationships. How many people have you invested in and how deeply? I'm telling you, there's nothing like relationships. They bless you in this life and far beyond. So please, 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 I'm begging you today to just take an honest assessment of your relationships. Pay attention to this part of your life. I know you may have other issues in your wellness that seem more important, but but this is really, really important too. Pay attention to these relationships. Ask God to help you develop more or to take them deeper. He will. In fact, I want to ask him to do that right now. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you that you are a God who has invested so deeply in us. Father, thank you that um, when we were estranged from you, you didn't leave us alone. But you modeled, you you embodied all those words from Colossians 3 that Paul spoke about. That That you continually clothed yourself with compassion for us and humility and patience. We must try your patience, God, and yet you persevere. Father, thank you for bearing with us. We know we are a difficult partner. We are a difficult friend to you. And yet you bear with us, you put up with us. You deal with our pettiness and our insecurity. You deal with our sinfulness. Father, thank you for forgiving us. And thank you for giving us Jesus on the cross. Such a powerful picture of how forgiven we are completely, repeatedly, undeservedly, sacrificially. Father, thank you for that. And and Father, thank you for loving us, for being loved to us no matter what. Father, I can't, Imagine why you put so much into a relationship with me. Father, I can't imagine why you work so hard to keep me in a relationship with you. But I thank you that you do. And Father, my prayer for me, my prayer for us, is that you would help us today to to be like you in relationships. To clothe ourselves. To bear with each other. To forgive. To love. Father, expand our network. Some of us are so lonely, we don't know how. We're lacking courage to step out and to form relationships. Teach us how. And Father, some of us, we struggle from shallowness in our relationships. Develop in us a character that will take us deeper. Father, so that we can have rich relationships ourselves, so that we can bring them to other people, so that we can know transformation through those relationships, so that we ultimately can know greater life, greater fullness 
greater wholeness. We pray this in Jesus. Amen.